and welcome to the 50th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Shallon, and joining me today, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Mark, how are things going today? Oh, pretty good. I've been uh, tinkering with a few things uh, since it's uh, the Sawthon, and... Uh, Oh, that's going to be, oh, yeah, that's going to be good. <laughs> yes, I planned this bit ahead of time. <laughs> Whatever. I love that you just have a, oh, man, just the uh, tools right good. next to you. Good for you. Yeah, it makes me feel like a man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How about you, Ash? How are things going tonight? Uh, I'm not. Great. I just found out I'm going to have to give my dog another shower because she rolled through some cat doo-doo in the backyard. Oh, God. That's disgusting. Yeah. yeah my damn dog. Always oh, got to dig. I just made her go lay down on the pillow in the front room. So I don't <laughs> have to smell it. <laughs> God. Oh, man. All right. So today is the big 5-0. I'm ecstatic to say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I didn't think we'd make it this far, and so I'm I'm, I'm very happy to say that we're, we're recording episode 50 tonight. And so, I mean, this really is a special episode this week because one, it's episode 50, which is just a big milestone for us. Two, we're getting back to our horror roots this week after straying a bit from the genre the past few months. And three, I finally updated the Cinefessions review archives this past weekend, and I realized that we're only a handful of reviews, uh, five to be exact, away from housing 500 different written and audio reviews. So that is just an overwhelming number to me that I never would have reached without a lot of help from my friends. So I just want to take a second before we begin here and say thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our readers for sticking with us through 50 episodes and almost 500 reviews and making this worth doing every week. And just as importantly, a big thank you to you, Mark and Ash for taking the time to sit around and bullshit about movies for a couple hours each week. I understand the the time commitment that's required with the prep and then the uh, recording session. So I just want to thank you both and uh, I want you to know how much I appreciate you guys doing that. If if I can take a little sidebar here, I want yeah. to thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, I'm watching movies that I wouldn't have probably watched normally. Mm-hmm. And in the movies I have seen, I'm diving into them in ways that I probably wouldn't waste my time with. I right. do uh, commentaries uh, for Saw. So, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm I'm enjoying this. Like, I look forward to this every week. So, this is... F- far from a time-consuming uh, cons- uh, endeavor, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm, I'm having fun with this. This is this is a blast. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And and a big thank you to Chris if you're listening. Uh, Chris hasn't been on since the Ash vs Evil Dead episode, but the first I don't know 30 plus episodes wouldn't have been poth- possible without Chris. So Chris, thank you for your contributions, both written and oral. <laughs> that sounds. That was a strange way to say it, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So, so thank you, everyone. All right, so this week I are jumping on to the complete Saw series arc, which I am really happy to 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 be doing. Uh, I watched the Saw film this the first Saw this weekend, and I'm ready to talk about it. And uh, the next two I haven't seen in so long, especially Saw two. I think I've only seen it once. And I barely remember it, but a lot of people, you know, cite it as one of the best in the series. So I'm really excited for next week to uh, to sit down and watch Saw Two again. But but before we jump into that, got the question of the week this week. So with all these playoffs going on right now, we have the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and we have uh, baseball season finally, you know, getting underway, getting some meat under its bones. 
And so I have to ask, Mark and Ash, is there a sports video game that would you would say that you would cite as your all-time favorite sports video game? Ash, let's start with you. Uh, the Madden ones aren't bad. I will give them that. Um, some of the WWE ones, like before this generation, actually back on the PS2 uh, and around the early PS3 weren't too bad. Um, I would actually have to go with Super Tecmo Bowl, though. Ah, yeah. You bastard. That's mine, too. I love that game. <laughs> well, I especially American. love it because uh, <laughs> yeah, cause modders, modders go in and, and, uh, and edit it every year with current rosters, the current teams yeah. and everything for free. And it's just like, hey, I can play that one. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know if anyone heard it because it was kind of low, but Mark just said, you guys are so American, which is true. Yeah. <laughs> Tecmo Super Bowl, definitely my number one also. I, just You can play it and pick it up and play it at any time. It is just so much fun to play. I, sports, The sports video game genre is my favorite. Like That's the reason I'm still playing video games, frankly. Um, and as great as, you know, SmackDown, uh, Here Comes the Pain, you know, SmackDown, um, SmackDown versus Raw. I think um, the last one that I really enjoyed was like 2006. Yeah. And I had that on the PSP and I had that on the PS2. So okay, that I yep. could, yeah, I could trade between the two. It was actually faster to create the characters and stuff on the PS2 and then transfer them over to the PSP. Right. Uh, stuff like that. But yeah, it was that that one was a lot of fun. I had more yeah. fun with a creator wrestler in that one, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it overall was clunky. Yeah, the, the the PS2, the gameplay is so much better than it is now with WWE 16 is just a piece of shit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I have so many games that I can claim as my favorite sports title. But if I have to really dig down and find the number one, go back to the kind of the source of my video game uh, sports video game love would have to be Tecmo Super Bowl. And what about you, Mark? I'm guessing it's not Tecmo Super Bowl for the NES. No, no. Uh, my all-time favorite sports game, not wrestling-based, would have mm-hmm. to be uh, the original NHL hockey from EA Sports. Uh, okay. That was EA, uh, NHL 92 for the Genesis. Yeah, that's Jesus, what I was going to say. so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would pick up a six, and then we'd eat uh, bacon uh, <laughs> and eat the caramel donuts. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved, well, I think 92 and 93 were the last two, three years that the Jets were in it, but uh, 92 okay. was the first hockey game I ever played on a console mm-hmm. um, that was decent, and uh, yeah, I've got fond recollections of that. So uh, yeah, to me, it's NHL hockey, the original, not 93, but 92. Um, and if go. we're adding wrestling to, to this, even though I'm mm-hmm. kind of sour on wrestling games right now, right. Um, the N64 games were by far my, my favorite, you know, no mercy. Yeah, they were pretty good. Yeah. yeah. They might be clunky now if we play them, but back mm-hmm. in the day, I used to be on the student council at my college and, uh, we would in the rec room, uh, take a big screen and a projector and hook up the N64 to the projector <laughs> and in a student lounge play Royal Rumble uh, matches and tag matches and <laughs> That's actually so how we fun. got uh, we got we recruited because I was part of a gaming group uh, at the college and uh, one of the recruitment drives we had we hooked up an N sixty four in the main lobby where everybody went to eat and had that and like you know you know stuff about what we were like and what we were into and stuff like that yeah, but yeah so, so much fun and you add uh, alcohol to that because it is a college. <laughs> Yeah. And I was the vice president of student activities, social activities. So I was at four under my desk. Yeah. Good times. Good times. That's funny. Mario party. Oh my God. 
Yeah. So much fun in college. That's why I, I love the- four years for a two-year program. <laughs> I love that you guys are talking about N64 in college. I remember vividly standing on the corner being a fifth grade crossing guard debating whether to buy the N64 or not to buy, but whether which was better, the N64 or the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. And that oh, was in fifth grade. You're so young. I want to brisk you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Might not get anyway. anything, but you know, right. <laughs> it'll be a fun experience for us both, though. So yeah, it's yeah. really a win win. So much fun. Oh, so much fun. All right. So, Ash, what have you done this week in the world of media? I got very disappointed with CBS. Because uh, they're stupid, and uh, ABC. Um, uh, I played a lot of Dragon Age and DDO with my wife, and I didn't really do a lot of movies this week, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, no, they. Uh, yeah, CBS decided not to pick up Nancy Drew, uh, which kind of bugs me. The re- I would be okay with it if the reasoning wasn't because the show was too female. Yeah, that, I read that. That pissed me what? off. Yeah, they're they decided not to pick up Nancy Drew because the show is too female. The show is about a female detective. <laughs> I what didn't know the they fuck? made. I didn't know they made a show Nancy Drew because I'm not yeah. cool anymore. So what, like they just did the one season, then they dropped it. No, they made a pilot. Oh, gotcha. They made yeah, a and pilot, and they and they were like, "Well, the pilot was actually testing really well." Yeah, and it actually has one of my favorite actresses of. Uh, from way back in 2008, 2009, she was in life. Uh, I loved her in that. And she was going to play Nancy Drew. And the pilot ended up not getting picked up by CBS because, quote, the show is too female for their time slot, which doesn't really bode well for the new Star Trek show. If they think that's too female with a female lead, you know, are they going to think that Star Trek is, you know, too cerebral and, you know, completely ruin that too. Uh, I don't know. It just, that irritated me. That is such a weak excuse for not picking up a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see if you, you didn't think it would bring in numbers or, you know, you couldn't find a slot on the schedule and you decided to pass on it. That's fine. Too female. So stupid. And that's the, that's the actual wording they use. You know what? So, so it won't fit on the Friday night block. Slap it on a Sunday then. You know? Yeah. Like not to air it at all just because it's, it's too female. That just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and then that ABC, reminds me of oh, the. Um, I'm going to jump in for one second. That reminds me of the articles I've been reading today, or the things I've been reading today. So, Angry Video Game Nerd, apparently he does movie reviews now too, or whatever, but he's uh, posted a video that he's not reviewing the new Ghostbusters film. And oh, yeah, I saw blah, that. Blah, blah, and people are calling him brave for not doing I'm like, how the – what? He's not brave. He so He's twisted? a fucking asshole. Yeah, like, cool. this is the dumbest thing. How, how does this person get called brave for not doing – for not reviewing a film? Like, just the most bastardized usage of the word brave I've seen in any time recently. Like, Well, and you know the, I saw the video of him saying he's not going to do it. And he's mm-hmm. sitting in front of a collection of old VHS tapes. Yeah. There is a Ghostbusters standee like up on the shelf, and then a Star Trek V standee up in front of that. And I'm just like, okay, you just lost all credibility right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, you know, like if the movie sucks, I'm going to see it, and if, if it's not good, then I'll let them know it's not good. But for me to to trash a film without seeing it first, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. kills me. I don't get the hate. I'm looking forward to the new Ghostbusters because I like Ghostbusters in general. It, yeah. You know? So I, I'm looking forward to this. Now, if it's not good, so be it. 
but yeah. I'm not going to uh, poo-poo the film prior to me seeing it. Yeah, yeah I think and, Chuck- and that's the thing is that's the thing is they're like poo-pooing it based off of the one trailer. If you watch the original trailer for the original film, yeah. it is fucking awful. Oh, I'm so. Sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> so just kind of like, right. but at know, the same time, I thought the, the, there were some cool aspects of the recent Ghostbusters trailer. Like, mm-hmm. not yeah, I like good, but I liked some parts of it. So yeah, I'm gonna go see it, and I'll probably see it opening weekend. Yeah, the um, Chuck Smarmy Drinkface on Twitter, he retweeted a couple with a few good things, and um, uh, one of them was was talking about uh, somebody saying, "I I, I wish." I'm glad people didn't decide in the 80s that they were going to boycott remakes because then they'd miss out on gems like The Fly, The Thing, and um, how, I forget the other one that was listed. But I mean, it, it's one very true. That's why I'm always, uh, you know, a, I'm not going to not see a film just because it's a remake. That, yeah. that means nothing to me. And um, the other one um, was. Oh, he put up there something about uh, about the fact that every everything in Hollywood is a cash grab. Like, yes, that's true. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is a business. Yep. Like, <laughs> and it just people seem to forget that. Like, uh, and it's like if you want to go back and poo poo it, it's like, oh, there hasn't been enough time. No, actually, there has been enough time because between the original The Thing from Another World, which came out in the fifties, mm-hmm. and John Carpenter's The Thing, it was less than thirty years. Yeah. We're That's over true. the 30-year mark with Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, come on. Like, there's some movies that just smell like shit upon arrival, like the Jim the Holograms movie, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, that irritated me. Yeah, if you're going to slap a name to a film just to, you know, uh, pull on the nostalgia strings is one thing. Uh, you know, like, when you're not faithful to the original material, then, you know, I'm probably not going to go see it. And I might have poo-pooed that movie just because, well, one, I'm not the t- target demographic for it, you know. But it's like I'm an 80s kid, and that's not a, an 80s property. That was just like, you know, a group of girls trying to make into music biz. You couldn't mm-hmm. name it anything. It would have sucked. You know? Yeah, well, and that's the thing is they if they had named it anything other than Gem and the Holograms, I might have actually gone to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife's already pissed off again. <laughs> just just <laughs> hearing us talk about Gem and the Holograms. Because she loved she loved Gem and the Holograms when, in the eighties, and she's an eighties kid, mm-hmm. and she was a teenager at the time. But so it was just like you know she loved it, and she watched that trailer with me. And she's like, "This is not Gem." <laughs> she was so mad. Yeah, I can honestly say that I don't think I remember masturbating to that cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, all right, Ash. What? Why are you mad at ABC now? Uh, well, ABC canceled Agent Carter, which kind of mm-hmm. irritates me. Yeah, and then checks that show. <laughs> well, but then they decided ABC decided not to pick up um, uh, Marvel's Most Wanted, which was the one uh, the spinoff of Agents of Shield that I actually wanted to watch. Uh, oh. But I guess they decided not to pick it up. Hmm. So I'm kind of pissed at ABC about that. But apparently, uh, the, uh, the uh, actress who plays Agent Carter, I'm losing her name right now, but I thought she was cast in another TV show. So they weren't sure. That, like It was pretty much a, a guarantee that her show was going to get canceled anyways because she got something else. Well, there is that, but Agent Carter only goes for like 10 to 13 episodes. So she it's like a half. Good. Yeah, so you could technically shoot both you know, at the same time. Okay. Or, or when one's off, shoot the other one. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not as upset with ABC cause the ratings were low 
but it was just yeah. it's the the CBS the, on top of the CBS thing it just pissed me off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Fox announced a slew of uh, shows for uh, fall and spring of next year. Okay. Um. See, they announced and they have trailers for them. Uh, oh. They actually all look good. I, I I put a link on my Facebook, but my Facebook's private, so nobody's going to see it. Um. <laughs> so uh, if I remember correctly, here they had one, uh, The Exorcist. So it's a show based off the movie. Uh, Are you serious? Legit serious. Gina Davis plays a mom. Uh. So it's kind of like a today's version of The Exorcist. It looks interesting. Um, I don't know how long it could sustain, you know, how many seasons. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. it'll be probably maybe, you know, a different spot per season type thing, like Fargo maybe. I don't know. Okay. But the first Uh, one is based off the first film. Wow. Maybe loosely based, but it's, that's where they're getting their their original source material from. Um, They announced uh, 24 Legacy. So it's the first 24 without uh, Jack Bauer. But uh, gotcha. Kiefer is an executive producer, so I don't know if he might show up at all during the season, um, but he was on the trailer. Uh, so that looked interesting. Uh, they announced a Lethal Weapon uh, TV show. <laughs> oh my gosh. With Damon Wayans as, uh, as uh, Murtaugh and some other guy's rigs. It looked interesting, <laughs> but again, you know, it's a Fox action show, so that might last about eight right. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> That no, is, no, no. They keep those going on forever, and then they cancel the good stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, another one that really interested me was a Son of Zorn, I think it was, hmm. where it's a live-action movie, or pardon me, a live-action TV show, but the main character is like a He-Man animated character. So he <laughs> looks like He-Man's got red short hair. He's a barbarian-style character, but lives in the modern world with uh, an ex-wife and his son. It looks <laughs> funny. And I think I think it's son of or son of corn. I think K O R N or Z O R N, one or the other. But uh, I saw the trailer today and I laughed. So okay, who knows, right? Hmm. Um, and what was the other one? There was one more. Oh, um, a new Prison Break series. Oh yeah, I heard that was coming and back. They're bringing the band back together. So I saw T Bag in the trailer and uh, <laughs> Michael and his brother, and which I think they're on that uh, Legends of Tomorrow series. So I guess they're doing double duty. Unless they oh, okay. get killed on that show, I don't watch it, so I don't know. Yeah, um, but I think I announced one more. But I'm like, okay, Fox is actually you know competing with Netflix. These shows actually all look interesting to me. Now, are they going to last? I don't know. But uh, the trailers made it look kind of juicy, so I'm kind of excited for that. That's cool. Even yeah, the, though I don't the, have cable, so yeah. You know, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the biggest intrigue for me has to be that Exorcist series. That's that's really interesting. It looked pretty out. cool. It's like a three minute trailer online right now. I would yeah. totally check it out if I were you. Yeah, it Definitely. looks decent. Cool. Very good. So, what else have you done this week in media? Uh, honestly, not much. Uh, yeah. I watched tonight's movie a few times, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm actually I called in sick at work today. I have oh. a flu, so I watched four movies today <laughs> because I'm stuck on a couch. Right. Um, one worth noting, Chuck Norris versus Communism. That was the title? Yes. Don't Never. know if you've seen it on Netflix or not. It's on Netflix Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made by HBO Romania. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's how smuggled uh, North American or American movies – uh, started a revolution in Romania under a socialist government. Oh, wow. So it talked about how they would bootleg these movies. And then there was one woman who would dub all the films. And she became the voice of a revolution. 
because oh God, that's it, cool. It's very cool. I really dug it. It's like an hour and twenty minutes long. Hmm. Um, it's subtitled, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Really good. I really dug it. Um, I, I would, Chuck I did Norris a, versus communism. It is on. It is on regular Netflix or regular uh, Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> you mean on Netflix? Uh, shut up. You, know, you can select everything and watch whatever you want from other people. Uh, yeah. So, so that one. So, I would suggest uh, to check that one out. That was really good. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I put I watched, that one on my my on my list. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's really cool. Then I watched the Wrecking Crew, which is about the session uh, uh, session um, players back in the sixties and the seventies who played music on all the all the big albums. Uh, so it's, okay. it's a music documentary, which I really liked. Um, I watched The Nightmare today um, about sleep paralysis, and that movie sucked balls. It did was, it good? Because I've been wanting to watch it, but uh, as long as it sucks, I don't have to. It's the so same that's guy good. who did Room 235, that The Shining conspiracy. Oh, yeah. I need and to see that. So I, watched I hated it. that one. It, it, oh. it, it's so it's fucking retarded. Or oh, probably yeah. retarded. Retarded. <laughs> Anyways, it's not good. <laughs> It's more the same. This this doc felt like one of those tabloid, uh, like you know, world news articles. Mm-hmm. It was. It felt so staged. It did, it didn't seem legit to me. You know. Mm. Um, and then I finally finished the day off with Contracted Phase Two. Finally watched that today. Oh, okay, cool. I haven't watched that one yet. I liked better special effects, but man, these main characters make such dumb decisions. <laughs> you uh, know? Okay. Um, but apart from that, I went to the Ottawa Comic Con on Saturday. Yeah, how was that? Um, better than I expected. Good. I found that the app that they used was misleading. Oh. Because it showed that the, these uh, actors would be signing for just an hour at a time. Mm-hmm. And they signed pretty much all day long. So oh, good. I was out of there by 3 o'clock instead of my assuming 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw your posters on Instagram. They looked badass. Yeah, I was pretty happy. Now, of course, three of the five I have are oversized. So they don't mm. fit regular frames. So who <laughs> knows course. when I'll get those framed, to be honest, because they're so expensive. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, apart from the price, you know, I paid 50 bucks to get in hmm. and then like I paid the average, uh, autograph was $55. So, you know, times five, it adds up. So pretty much 300 bucks for, for the day hmm. for just five autographs. And right. the amount of time at the table, I would say average would be maybe 15 to 20 seconds. Oh, jeez, The lineups are huge. I felt like it's like cattle. It's like, it's a, it's yeah. a big money dump, you know? People right. wait in line. They want to meet their 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 uh, their star, and they got maybe if you're lucky twenty seconds with them before it's next in line. Hmm. So again, I still feel that I'm uh, spoiled when I go to Cinema Wasteland, where you have all the time in the world to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, Carl Weathers seemed very cranky when I met oh. him. Um, okay. He he was like the lonely Virgil of the con. Mm. When I went, nobody was there, and he was very abrupt and kind of gruff. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Thanks for the autograph. Um, (laughs) one thing I kind of regret not doing because you know you have to buy pictures you know like one of those spit photo ops can't just get a picture at the table which is stupid yeah but Ming Ming Na Wen who plays uh, a character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. she's she's the cavalry I forget what her character name is right now Um, but uh, she was there and she was offering uh, her autograph whatever but also you can take a selfie with her or $30. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. 30 bucks. Yeah. But now that I didn't go, I kind of regret not going. Because yeah. she was actually pretty awesome. Because I was in line like beside her table. And oh, she okay. was really good with her fans. 
Like oh, she seemed cool. really happy to be there, and yeah. she took time with them. So hmm. I she's, can't. She's awesome on Twitter. Oh, I, I follow her on Twitter. Yeah, she is fantastic on Twitter. Hmm. She, I, she engages with a lot of people there. I cool. wish I actually took the time to try to find a Street Fighter laser disc. That would oh. have been so cool to get signed by her because she plays Chung Li in the movie, right? Okay. So, ah, okay. Yeah, she's Chung Li in the Van Damme flick. So hmm. it would have been. I didn't want a poster, but it would have been cool to get a laser disc and have that frame like a like an LP. But right. I didn't do that, and I kind of kick myself now. But I should have gotten a I should have gotten a selfie because I was thinking in my head, you know, have a picture with her, like her, you know, like smiling, and then her, you know, looking at me like she's pissed off at Colson, you know. <laughs> it would have been kind of funny. So I kind of regret doing that because she seemed really cool. Um, somebody else, uh, Eliza Dusku, was there. I didn't oh, okay. go see it either. Oh. Man, she looks good. Good. Oh, yeah. She looks amazing. So and that's so does Ming Win. But uh yeah, Dushku kinda oh I was like, oh, that's faith, you know? <laughs> right. She, she looked really good. Uh, it's just too bad. Like I could have gotten a true lies poster because her mm-hmm. and uh what's her name from uh, Wayne's World was there as well. Um um shit. No idea. Yeah. Anyways, like uh, the, the the evil bad chick in in true lies. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> oh, oh, um what's her yeah. name? I know who you're talking about. Tia Carrera, that's it. Tia Carrera, Tia yeah. Carrera. So she was there as well. I did not see her um, because her oh. table was on the other side of all the other graphs I wanted. Hmm. But, so I, I could have gotten a True Lies poster easily and get them both signed. But one is like 100 bucks for each, like for both autographs together. And two, the poster is kind of boring. It's like just pretty much just a big face of Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'm like, do I really want that on my wall? So <laughs> right. I didn't get it. I could have and I didn't. And... uh yeah, I don't regret that too much, but it would have been cool to actually get something signed by Elijah Dusku because she seemed really, really cool with her fans and stuff too. Yeah. Um, and Alan Tudyk was cool as well, but his line was so long, he could mm. not spend the time. Like, it was five lengths. It was ridiculous. Oh, wow. Um, but my uh, my French uh, Tucker and Dale poster I had never seen before, so that was kind of cool. Oh, that's but, really cool. Uh, but yeah, um, you didn't have time for him. Like, I want to talk to him about that PG porn he did with uh, James Gunn. Have you seen that before? <laughs> No. Oh my God. So James Gunn did some, uh, <laughs> he did some, uh, like short, sto- uh, some short videos. They're called PG porn. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's all the porn without the, the sex. So it's just <laughs> in dialogue. And it's so ridiculous. He did one with Alan Tudyk, one with Nathan Fillion. And they're just hilarious. So I want to talk to him about that, but I just didn't have the time. So right. it's, it's too bad. But yeah, if you have the chance later on tonight, uh, YouTube uh, PG porn and the Ellen okay. episode, it's fucking dumb, but it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> like, the guy's funny. Like, I like him. Uh, I just couldn't, uh, I just didn't have the time to uh, to really do much, you know. Uh, I, could, like, I couldn't really ask him very many questions just because mm-hmm. I had, at the most, 20 seconds with him. So, right. Yeah. Hmm. But, but the con was better than I expected. It was actually... Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of like I was looking forward to it, and to be honest, I didn't have fun at the con because I was just there for autographs. Yeah, so waiting in line isn't fun, and I was right. converse. I wasn't wearing good shoes. My my feet were <laughs> sore. You know, and now I'm bitching. Um, but um, yeah, I got what I wanted, and I was out in a reasonable time. And I'll probably go again next year and go through the same shit. So right, yeah, we found out real late that there was actually the Motor City Comic Con here this past weekend. Okay, but it would have cost. 
like 75 bucks just to get in or something like 80 bucks to get in was like 40 a person or, or something that's, along those lines. Yeah, that's expensive. And so, you know, for my wife and I, and so I was like, ah, I just, I don't know who's there. Cause I had like, I just found out about it Friday. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, I could have done research, but Bridget pulled it up and there wasn't a lot of people I recognized. It's more comic book people whose names don't stand out to me too much. Cause that's just not, you know what I mean? Like I don't know the names too well. Yeah. Um, I, Phil Jimenez was there, which who's the name I do recognize because his name is sitting on the cover of, uh, I think it's Infinite Crisis or I think it's the Infinite Crisis. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and I think I've read him in a few other books, but I couldn't think of him offhand. So I was like, I don't know if I really want to pay 80 bucks just to get in and then spend money on what I don't know, because I don't know what kind of booths are going to be there or anything. Like, did you have any booths that were worth going to at the Ottawa one? Well, you know what? I have problems with spending, so I pretty <laughs> much did uh, my autographs, and then I took off. Okay. But I did have like an hour to kill, and uh, Melissa, uh, my girlfriend, she was being a booth babe at uh, one of the, her friend's um, uh, artist tables. Yeah. So we had an hour to walk around, and I found this guy, and oh, man, I should have bought one, and I didn't. Hmm. He fabricates light boxes for posters. Oh, nice. Yeah, and they looked cool. good. They weren't like this theater ones where it was like four tubes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't remember the kind of light he used, but he illuminated the poster perfectly and evenly. Oh, uh, wow. And he was selling them for two ninety five Canadian, no tax. And I mm-hmm. didn't just because I, I need to pay down some debt. Um, yeah. But I, I took his business card and I think she did as well. So maybe at Christmas time I'll get something. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, he was one guy. I probably spent 20 minutes looking at the stuff he had and it looked amazing. So of course that's it awesome. works better with newer posters with the double sided, you know? Like mm. I got a Pacific Rim poster that's already signed by, um, what's his name? Shit. I suck with names. Uh, <laughs> the guy from, uh, the guy from, uh, Sons of Anarchy, but not the lead guy. Uh, uh, Ron Proman. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. And, I'm, yeah, and I'm going to a comic con, or I guess it's a horror con in Hamilton, Ontario in July, uh, by the, uh, it's, uh, brought to us by a room work magazine. So like, oh, the, no shit. Yeah. I gotta get some info from you after. Cause that's, I don't think Hamilton's too far from me. So well, it's a little far away from me. I don't think it's that far away from Detroit. Uh, no, I don't think it it's is. It's called the dark carnival. Okay. And Bill Moses is going to be there. Um, um, uh, Guillermo del Toro is going to be there, so I'm going to get my my oh. books signed by him. Nice. Um, and I think a few more is going to be there as well. But uh, yeah, so I think I got two autographs that I want to get. Um, yeah. And the rest is all like horror vendors and artists and tattoo artists and stuff like that. And there's a big party uh, that night at some bar where they're going to awesome. do like a witch blood thing. I don't know. Maybe it could be an orgy, could be whatever. Uh, <laughs> but you're down either way. So oh, I'm not going to participate. You know, witch. <laughs> They got warts, man. I don't need a wart. Though. Gross. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go there in July. Um, cool. I don't know where I was going with that. I forget. I forget my train of thought. Anyways, yeah. Um, so like when it comes to cons, I kind of keep my eye on them. Like there's one in Montreal the same weekend. Mm. And the only actress I really want to meet would be Marina Baccarin, who I've already met once. But now that she's you know big in Deadpool, I kind of want a Deadpool poster signed by her. But gotcha. I'll be in Hamilton because it's the same weekend and I'm not going to do both. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but when it comes to cons, I kind of, you know, plan ahead. They usually announce their guests, you know, three or four months in advance, sometimes even more. And that's where I start buying all my posters. Yeah. Like uh, the Indiana Jones poster got signed by John Wright Davies. 
Um, I'm actually going to be in Winnipeg uh, on the Halloween weekend uh, for mm. a wedding social. And Winnipeg has their Comic Con that weekend. And Julian Sands is going to be there. So I'm going to get uh, my Last Crusade poster signed by him as well if he's not filming Game of Thrones. So it's awesome. kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And that's pretty much all I've done, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I, yeah. I, um, I don't remember. Did we mention that Scream, the TV series, had had shown up on Netflix? Oh, yes. no, we didn't. Didn't we last week? I thought we oh, did. Oh, maybe. No, I don't, I, I don't remember. But yeah, so in, in honor of when I pretty much joined up with the podcast, you know, yeah. if you have, you know, six and a half hours of life that you want to get back after you watch it, you can go ahead and pop up Scream Season 1. Right. <laughs> hey, that's not true. You were on the Cine Fashions Podcast Episode 1, buddy. Was I? That's when we talked about um, Place Beyond the Pines and Spring oh, Breakers. that's right. Yeah. Yep. I forgot about that. that. Was, that was number one. But anyway, um, yeah, and it came out on DVD. There wasn't a Blu-ray release, of course, that's because – <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, because it's MTV and they're idiots. And uh, season two is starting in like three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, I saw the trailer. Maybe the end of June, something. And uh, not, yeah, we're uh, not podcasting through this time like we did in the first season. Uh, I just, <laughs> I did not like the first season. Um, I've never yeah. seen any of it before. so Yeah, I mean, I'll probably watch it, you know, as it, as it goes. Um, but yeah, I was, what a disappointment. Would you say that Scream is better or worse than Jim and the Holograms? I'm not seeing Jim and the Holograms. I would watch Scream <laughs> again before I would even rent Jim and the Holograms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, when is Ash Evil Dead 2 coming out? That should be uh, Halloween weekend again? Yeah, that's when the yeah the first one came out on Halloween. So I'm guessing it should probably start sometime around then. I haven't heard anything about it. Like That's one that we'll probably have to clear our work around at least to make that part of our our podcasting because i was i enjoyed podcasting through that series yeah that was a, no that was a fun show to watch and it, it's right. so much better when you actually enjoyed the material you're reviewing you know yeah exactly yeah yeah but this week i didn't do too too much either i um played some nhl 16 and fifa 16 i finished my my um my season in fifa and uh, i'm trying to like kind of play a game a week mm-hmm. with my red wings franchise in nhl 16 just try to get through the season quicker um, so I've been doing a lot of simming, um, but that one is turning into a lot of fun. And NHL 16 is actually pretty good. Um, I will say it's, I don't, I think it's more realistic uh, than than previous ones, but it's not, at least until probably this past week or so, the games aren't as fun as they were in say like NHL 14, which um, I have on my PS3. Uh, but I think it does some things better. And so I don't know. I'm enjoying it. It's not a not a perfect game by any stretch, but of course, like always, I will be owning NHL 17 the day it comes out because that's what I do. Speaking but, of hockey games for like yeah. newer generation consoles, mm-hmm. one I really dug, and I think it's the last good hockey game I played. NHL Hits Pro for the oh Olympics. yeah, that was fun. and that game was tough. Like I went to the Stanley Cup Finals, I lost in the finals in six games. I actually <laughs> lost. And I played like wow. the 82 game season, so I did played every what a, game. Yeah, I fought, what a pain in the ass. I was. I, I don't think I ever played it after that. <laughs> I don't blame but you. That said, a lot more fun because I like arcadey games. You know, I'd rather do an yeah. arcadey game than the sim game. Oh, okay. Um, so like that's I'm the I, opposite. Oh, really? So like NHL hits when it was like three on three pawn hockey. I mm-hmm. loved it. Uh, yeah. They, they remade one for the uh, for the PS4, PS3 a while back, and that sucked. 
but the original ones that they came up for the Xbox were so much fun. You know, I, I like the, the NHL 3 and 3 Arcade you're talking about, I think, is mm-hmm. is the remake. I, I actually liked that one. I thought it was pretty fun. I played the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, just because it was one of the few arcade sports titles that I liked. But See, I would love if they would do, like, a classic classic game, like, uh, for the NFL one. You know, like, the classic, you know, things where you get to play as, you know, the big teams and, like, the big games. You know, the yeah. ones the 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 ones that you know meant something right that would be cool hmm. I, I don't know managing i think that was my problem with the the current seasons is like managing the team is a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah honestly that's like my favorite part i'd say uh, is like doing all the back end really? shit yeah it's cool. it's my version of an rpg like that's that's the rpg i like and it's okay that's okay i'll give you that yeah. how yeah. much money would you put aside in the budget for quarter zone shots for course. <laughs> for course, own shots. Yeah, you know, to numb the pain because of all the oh, injuries man. on the field. <laughs> Do you remember that game? There was a oh. football game where you would have to buy them steroids. Oh, you're talking about uh, Blitz the League? No, I think it was called Bone Crusher or Bone oh. Bone Smasher. I think it was an Xbox game as well. Wow. And you had to, yeah, you had to like, uh, you had to buy drugs for your guys. That's crazy. That I know they awesome. they that did that in in awesome. Blitz the League. Like the the, the storyline for Blitz the League was basically like a corrupt football organization that you were running, which was real big at that time because like steroids and everything was was you know, kind of in the news, and so it was kind of like uh, just a crazy story based around like the all the the bad aspects of the behind the scenes of the NFL. And so it was really interesting. And I know you bought like drugs and and uh, had to keep players you know roided up and everything. Yeah. Well, see, all it's playing up right now is Blitz the League 2, but I thought it was – this game was not uh, – wasn't an NFL game. Okay. Um, so maybe it was Blitz the League, but I don't remember I don't remember it being an NFL Blitz game. But NFL Blitz well, for the 64 was fucking fun. Yeah, they, NFL – it's not NFL Blitz the League. It's it's just Blitz the League. They don't they lost the NFL license once they left the 64. Or maybe that is a Recently, game. anyway. Maybe that is the game. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Lauren, I think Lawrence Taylor – was one of like the main characters, yes. quote unquote. Was that Blitz the League? Yeah, that's Blitz the League. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Okay. I thought it was yep. a different game, but I guess that's Blitz the League. <laughs> yeah. Fun. See, sports games. I can talk those all day. Okay, all <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, continuing on, I watched the, the first half of Star Wars episode four last night. I just couldn't stay awake. We started it way too late. We ate dinner way too late and I couldn't. Couldn't keep my eyes open, but I'm trying to watch through the whole series because I want to do a Cinefession series review on that. Um, so I started with with Didn't episode I do four. One already? No, I hadn't. No, what's wrong with me? We talked about it in the past, but it never happened. Oh, would you but, be pissed okay. if I did it before you and I wrote one before? You- <laughs> <laughs> no, you can do it. We can have all three of us do one. I'd totally be fine with that. Three different opinions is always a good thing. Pretty much, my my my, my lead would be he kissed his sister. Uh, and then uh other than that we watched so and you're gonna judge me but naked and afraid on discovery i don't know what it is about that show fucking judging the shit out of you right now you're alone at the time you're alone we (laughs) no (laughs) they don't it's all blurred out but bridget and i like that show and so we watched that pretty often and we were watching uh, a few episodes this week Let's, let's pretend behind a couch is the ocean. Let's pretend fish. Mm. Oh my god! Oh, I'm so naked. Oh, I'm so afraid. 
We're sitting in a crate together. Hmm. Oh my god. I'm I'm way too turned on right now. <laughs> we can't continue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so moving in. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. All right. So let's begin our trek through the Saw series with the first Saw film from 2004. Again, there will be spoilers for all of these films. Uh, I don't imagine us having any spoilers for the sequels at this point, but there will at least be spoilers for Saw. So if you have not seen it, make sure you stop the podcast, check out the movie, and then come back in and resume the podcast because there will be major spoilers And this is a film you do not want spoiled, so make sure you have seen the film first. And a word of advice, you can pick up the complete Scream set on Blu-ray for 15 bucks on Amazon. That's in the US. And I think the DVD is like eight or ten. Like it's ridiculously cheap. Now, mind, none of these come with any special features, but they do have subtitles if, if you need that. It's really the cheapest way you're going to get it. Even though there are no special features, it's dirt cheap and it comes with the digital copies, which I'm pissed because I've lost my digital copy like pamphlet to actually redeem the movie. So The complete Saw series. You said Scream, so it's Saw. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're doing Saw. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, correction. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, the complete Saw series. But anyway, yeah, so make sure you check that on Amazon. I have a link on the uh, on the website to the page, and that actually helps support the website. So if you you know buy through our affiliate link, we'd really appreciate that. All right, with that said, let's see. Saw from 2004, directed by James Wan, written by Lee Winnell. It has and it's story by Lee Winnell and James Wan. So IMDB score of 7.7 7 out of 293,064 votes at the time of this recording. It has a Metacritic score of 46, a tomato meter of 48%, but an audience score of 84%. It's listed as a budget of 1.2 million with a gross of over $55 million. So clearly, this is a film that was uh, a big hit, a big success. So uh, we're coming from our underrated series up to this one, so I think that's very fitting. But all right, so what is your history with with this first film, Ash? What, when's the first time you saw this? I think we've all seen all of these, but what's kind of your first uh, memories of Saw? I rented it actually. I think um, I didn't see it in the theaters. I don't think. If I did, I don't remember seeing it in the theaters. Um, okay. Yeah, one of my friends, I'd seen the trailers for it, and someone had recommended it, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And just rented it, and yeah, pretty much it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no. <laughs> and what about you, Mark? What's your mem- uh, your history with this film? Oh, I saw this back in Winnipeg when it came out on the big screen. I remember going okay. to a Town 8 Cinema, which is a bit of a lower budge uh, theater uh, in town. Uh, it's a little... Little seedier part of town, a little, uh, and the theater's a little, a uh, little run down a bit. So mm-hmm. it kind of matched the mood of the film, and that's one of the reasons why I picked that theater because yes, <laughs> it kind of matched the bathroom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I saw this uh, on the big screen when it came out. Awesome. Yeah, the first time I watched this, and I found this very fitting just for my own life. The very first time I watched this was in my buddy's basement on his uh, his parents' home theater system, which was way nicer than what I have set up here. But they were also way richer than I'll ever be. So, but um, I love so that the first time I'm watching it. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're right. Um, but the first time 
watching it was in that home theater. And then uh, the first time I'm going to talk about it on the podcast for watching it now was in my, my new home theater system. So yeah, that was the first time I ever watched it. I was, I think blown away would be an understatement. Um, I don't want to talk too much about that yet. Cause I kind of want to touch on that kind of at my, my, at the end of talking about this, but yeah, I, I always remember that it was actually like, a. <laughs> I think my buddy got a hold of like a, a a burned copy, like a ripped illegal copy of it somehow. And uh, we watched it after it was out of theaters, but before it was on home video. So that was a huge thing back in 2004. I don't even know how we did it, frankly, but somehow he got a hold of it. You know, that's and so, funny you mentioned that because on the yeah. producer's commentary, they talked about how um, uh, piracy hurt the bottom line. Oh no shit! Yeah, so that's yeah. actually it was a big problem with this uh, with this uh, release. Is right. that uh, it was popular, but nobody was paying to see it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not uh, you know supporting piracy or anything like that, but that's the way it, I saw it when I was uh, what I had to be 18 years old, 17, 18 years old when this came out. So yeah, hey, that was no my statute history. of limitations on piracy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for you. That's right. But all right, so. Right at the get-go, I think what's interesting about this is, you know, James Wan goes on to be, in my eyes, one of the, one of the best horror filmmakers of our kind of our generation. I don't even want to call it, but kind of of our time. And um, you just you get some glimpses of that brilliance that he's going to move forward, like into films like Insidious and and Conjuring and things like that. And um, some moments where the cinematography really just kind of lights up for me. I one of the the very first one is the camera movement at the beginning of the film. So we see, um, you know, Adams looking around, ca- trying to kind of figure out where the hell he is. He's in pitch blackness, pitch darkness, and all of a sudden the camera pulls out, and then it kind of spins around as it goes up mm-hmm. to reveal the dead man in the middle of the floor. I thought that was a really cool cinematography. Really cool moment of cinematography there, since I can't say the other word. But so, were there any? Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say. So I uh, bought these movies one at a time as they were being released. So yeah, I don't have the box set that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so on my copy, it's got a whole bunch of special features and commentaries and whatnot. And uh, yeah. on okay, so there's two commentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of overlap a bit. The first one is with uh, Leigh Wanell, Carrie Elwes, and uh, James Wan. And it's funny. Like, yeah. These guys bust balls. They they make jokes. <laughs> At one point, uh, Carrie Ellis, he does a Marlon Brando impersonation. <laughs> just, like, I'm not a big commentary guy, but yeah. just to hear these guys talk and laugh about it, it, it's awesome. So, again, I've got, like, an original DVD release where there's, like, blood uh, and a moving saw in the uh, – let, let me shake. I'll shake the case to see if you can hear it. <laughs> so it's a little heavy but yeah. it's still pretty cool um so so with the commentary i've got the uncut edition which i guess has a uh the version of the film that wasn't shown in theaters um so there's extra gore in it and apparently the first time you see jigsaw when the, the camera spins around you see a close-up of his head and that was removed from the theatrical release because uh of the gore factor because you know it's he's got a gunshot wound to the head so the MPA forced them to cut, uh, or I guess edit that scene so that you don't see a close-up of his head right off the bat. So I'm not sure if you see that on your copy or not, but uh, that and a few gore scenes when uh, Amanda is uh, getting the key from uh, the heroin guy's uh, stomach, 
Uh, yeah. Close-ups of uh, stomach and viscera and whatnot. Um, that's stuff that they added in a DVD release, which I don't know if you have or not. I'm pretty certain we do because both of those sound familiar to me. Okay. Yeah. And the version in the Blu-ray set that I have is the unrated versions. But okay. that said, this uh, and I now I'm using IMDb as a source, so take it with a grain of salt. But sure. Saw is the only film listed that doesn't have a different runtime for a theatrical cut versus a unrated edition or a director's cut, which led me to believe that there was only one version. But obviously, you're saying that's not the case, which is interesting. Well, but I they think might have, they might have substituted shots. And yeah, it's possible. Kept kept yeah. Uh, well, on it says your feature runtime on my uh, DVD is 100 minutes. See, it's actually supposed to be 103 minutes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, my my Blu-ray was 100 was an hour and 42 minutes and like 40 something seconds. And IMDb is listed as 103. My digital version is an hour and 43 minutes and 11 seconds. Okay. Huh. Interesting. So we might all have seen different cuts. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, because I was going through because I wanted to know how many minutes like this whole thing was going to be. Yeah. And um, there's everyone has a theatrical and an unrated. And there's one of the films, I want to say three, but don't quote me on that. Okay. There's a theatrical, unrated, and a director's cut. Oh, shit. And three versions of it? Do I have to watch all yeah. three? <laughs> no. Like, I'm only watching whatever I have on the Blu-ray. Because like you, I purchased them all on DVD as they were coming out. Yeah. And I had like the – I bought like the the most expensive special edition that I could because I love the series. Yeah. But then like, an, like a jackass, I was – I was knew I was picking this up. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just getting rid of them all. And so I ended up selling them all, which I actually – I need to go upstairs and check and see if I still own them or not because I did sell some, but I haven't sold everything of my DVD collection. Okay. And so I'm not positive if I have them and I meant to check, but I haven't. But yeah, and so now I have a bare-bone Blu-ray release when I used to have like all the special features for all of the releases, but it is what it is. Yeah, whatever. What can you do? Um, right. Yeah, like Saw 3 is the first one I have on Blu-ray, but the first two are on DVD. So Okay. And mine yeah, I don't say here it is the uncut edition. So huh. I don't know if there's multiple copies or not or multiple edits, but mine's the right. cut one that's 100 minutes long. That's interesting. Yeah. And you have a Canadian release, so it might be different there too. Yes, mine's from uh, – it was released by Maple and not Lionsgate. Okay. The Maple Pictures is like the uh, Canadian Lionsgate. They have an agreement with them. Okay. Uh, I can hear you laugh. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I wasn't laughing. I know you weren't. Uh, I just You're a better friend. Your <laughs> host here is a bit of a bastard. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> oh. But now, so obviously, if you if you don't know the history of Saw, so uh, James Lon and Lemonel, they they created this short film. Yes. And it was a nine minute short film, and that's and it was basically that short film was the bear trap scene or the reverse bear trap scene, if you will. Yeah. And that's what ended up getting them this picture, you know, the deal in order to do the the feature length film. Now, have either of you seen the short film? No. Um, I haven't. Apparently, according to the uh, producer's commentary that's also on this disc, it's included. Yeah. But by that point, I was done with watching this movie three times. I didn't go yeah. to look at the special features. But apparently, I do have it. But I haven't watched it. Yeah, I watched it on uh, YouTube okay. <laughs> before before we started recording. And um, it's fascinating because it puts um, Lee Winnell in the position of Amanda. Yeah. And so, um, and it's kind of him talking with the detective after the fact, but I mean, it's all, it's not perfectly verbatim, but it is very similar lines. So 
you really aren't missing much by not seeing the short film. And mm-hmm. they use the exact same cinema, uh, cinematography, that trick of kind of going in uh, fast motion in a circle, which is another moment that I absolutely love in, in Saw. Yeah. They use that same trick in, um, in this. And it's, you know, the guy's paralyzed on the floor and he d- cuts into him. He has the question mark on his stomach and everything. And even at the end, um, what's the puppet's name? Billy the puppet or whatever uh, the puppet. I thought it was just it, the, the jigsaw puppet, wasn't it? Yeah, whatever. I thought for some reason I thought he had a name, but um, no, the puppet yeah. comes out on the tricycle. The only difference is the puppet is wearing this hat, which they I think was a good idea to cut from the from the feature film. But yeah, if you've seen Saw, there's no real reason to go back and, and watch the short film unless you're just you know a completionist or you're just very interested in the kind of the history of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's I ended up watching. It's very short. You can find it on YouTube in pretty poor quality, but it should be on the um, the special edition releases of the DVD as well if you want to find it. You know, watching this for the first time in probably a decade, like mm-hmm. I've been watching this in a long time, I forgot that Lee Wanell was in the film. Like, I remember, you know, <laughs> I remember Carrie Elwes, but I forget yep. that he was in the room with him as well. I did too. You know, and like, I like uh, Lee Wanell. Like, I remember you? them being better actors. But no, it, no, well, it was yeah. his first film uh, when he uh, when he started in this film here, and like he's I will- done, like, he's done the Mule, which is an Australian film, which I like a lot, and then mm-hmm. his his cameos in the Conjuring, you know, which are awesome. But yeah. I forgot he was in this movie completely. Yeah, he's much he's better in the Conjuring. Oh yeah, yeah, and he he was and terrible in the short film. Wait, he's wait, much are, better are, in the are, feature. Wasn't he in Insidious, not the Conjuring? Oh, pardon me, yes, Insidious. Okay, That's yeah, what yeah. I, yeah, Insidious. Yeah. So, okay, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't criticizing. I just like remember differently <laughs> same lead actor right so right so apparently um they were talking uh in the commentary uh, james one was saying that they didn't have to cut much for their r rating just because the film itself really isn't that gory right a lot of the gore is actually off scene and yep. it's more of a you know what you picture in your mind like uh that you know, uh, like well, let's at, at the end when the, the the foot scene occurs, you don't see it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and as well, like apart from the Amanda scene where she, you know the extended edition has the extra like uh, cuts of her playing with the stomach, they find the key. Apart yeah. from that, the film itself isn't that gory, and James Wan was filming it more like a Hitchcock film. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this viewing of it was the fact that a lot of the the true you know gory bits the violence that we would see later on in the film that would be on screen mm-hmm. takes place off screen um when the two detectives are chasing or well i guess it's when um what is his name signal or uh, sing is chasing jigsaw and he you know initiates the the uh, shotguns yeah all you see is you know his initiate it and then you hear the boom and then you see him fall to the ground, and we see some shots, but they're pretty tame compared to you know what we would get later in the series. Uh, and yes. I, so, yeah, I th- there's multiple points to that, and I think that was my biggest t- takeaway from this because um, you know this is often the film that's considered the start of the torture porn genre. Yeah, but it's so tame compared to what we'll get. And I, you know, the, the filmmakers don't like that it's classified as a torture porn film, and I can see where they're accurate in that it's not the same it's not on the same level as that and there's not a lot of emphasis on torture really well, outside of a couple scenes that's a problem with the series is that as they get bigger and more elaborate right. with their death scenes um this film isn't torture porny and i think it gets a bad rap because of its sequels 
a right. total background. Yeah, this I mean, this one did launch the genre, but yeah, you're right. They do cut away. They do. It's it's like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's what you picture in your head. Yes. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. see a lot of this, and it's just like, uh. Um, but yeah, it they do a lot of the the tricks with that, and mainly I think because of the budget that they had, yeah. mm-hmm. but exactly. also because what you picture in your head is far worse than anything they could show you on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, um, obviously the, I, I, so when we, people talk about the death traps in the film, they say there, you know, are 52 death traps, I believe in the series. And, um, you know, we get a few of them here. So the, I, I don't know if people consider this a death trap or not, but I would say like the, just the, the two men being chained in the bathroom would probably be the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one would be um, the guy crawling through the razors and just his underwear with the with the like two hour time limit or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is the man covered in the um, the flammable liquid mm-hmm. who's given like the candle to find the combination to the safe. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one has to be um, the, the bear trap device, which is the only one that has a survivor um you know up until this point in the film and we don't know what the outcome of the men will be at this point in the bathroom but um would you consider i guess zep he's kind of in a death trap as well would yes would would you agree i I, I actually i was talking with my wife over this um i actually think that the two men in the room are while they're part of it it's more about it, it almost feels like it's more like a test for zep Mm Hmm. Like, uh, if he had passed, you know, he would have been his guy in the second movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's That's interesting. And and technically, the guy that was in the drill chair, he survived. Yes, that is a trap. Yeah, that was a trap. Yeah. Which one? The drill trap where the cops show up. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. So, he technically, he survives. Uh, You know, one of the cop ball, Singh dies. Uh, and and uh, Glover's character Tap, he gets his throat slashed, so he right. survives as well. But uh, the janitor, or I don't know why I call him a janitor. He looks like one. Um, but <laughs> the guy in the chair, he he kind of survived. Now I don't know if he actually gets released though, because they kind of forget about him. Yeah, but uh, I think it's safe to assume that that he would have been, you know, uh, escorted out of there by with the police eventually. That or he dies of thirst because no one's hey, a, a glass of water. Another good assumption, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um so I liked um, you know, I think Jigsaw's voice, Tobin Bell's voice as Jigsaw is just perfect for this um for this character. I think it works really well. Um and obviously, you know, we we get more about we get so very little about Jigsaw in this film that it's amazing. That, how much we get and how kind of convoluted it gets as the series goes on, at least from what I remember. I, again, I haven't seen the sequels very. You know, I've seen each of them once, and it's been a while. Yeah, but the I got as far as I did into the series, probably because of him as an actor. Yeah, I really like him. He's he's interesting to watch, and he made Jigsaw at least interesting as a villain. But you know, right. uh, 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 but after a certain point, it's just like when he's done with the series is when I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I, I, they're getting really stupid trying to shoehorn him in. <laughs> yeah, but, four to seven gets really tough to watch when I'm trying to tie everything together. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm most interested in because I remember those being so just ridiculous. But yeah, so uh, what I thought was interesting, what I noticed was in the beginning. 
He never states, Jigsaw never states that the man in the room is dead. He implies it, but he never states it. And I thought that was an interesting choice um, and kind of maybe a way to keep the game, you know, quote unquote fair. I don't know. Did you guys notice that at all? It's um, still, yeah, he implies it, you know, the, mm-hmm. when you're so full of poison, the only way out is, you know. Exactly. The only yeah, option is to. Is a gun or whatever yeah, he says. Shoot yourself. A bullet. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was. I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. It kind of. Um, I felt like could have been or could be a a pretty deep look into the character and what his motivations are. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like at the end when when he gets up, that has to be the biggest shock, like out of left fields that I've probably felt in the theater in a long time. Because yeah. Who would? I didn't expect that to happen. I thought this guy was right. dead. You know, exactly. yeah. wound. You know, like yeah. to me, the guy's dead, and there's no indication that he's alive at all during the film. And right. that's the thing is that you have to realize how patient and calculating this guy has to be, mm-hmm. because he was laying on that floor in that room for hours, right? With two guys near enough that they could have seen him breathe if he breathed too hard. Mm-hmm. And they thought he was dead the whole time. <laughs> that's, mm. that's impressive. Right. And and my big thing is that, you know, laying down on the ground for so long, after a while, I just started doing cock push-ups. Uh, so, <laughs> like, for him to hold restraint and not do it anything. This happens naturally for you? Yeah, every 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, the line where he says, uh, technically speaking, he's not really a murderer. I just think that's such uh, bullshit. I disagree with that completely. Me too. Um, because he is the one who puts these people in this yeah. situation where it's either life or death. So without him, they wouldn't be in this situation. And so, you know, it's kind of like, it, you know, reminiscent of uh, the Manson murders where yeah. he's the one orchestrating it, but he never really killed anyone. So is he a murderer? Blah, like, yes, he is. He absolutely is. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I thought, that's kind of something I feel like that's something they kind of play on a little bit more as the series goes on. Again, could be mistaken, but I just I don't it doesn't hold water for me at all. And that's the thing, you would have no problem, zero problem convincing a jury that he is culpable in their deaths. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like I'm sorry. No, he he did it. Yeah. <laughs> he planned mm-hmm. it. He executed it in a minute to walk. I'm sure that they would convict him right away. <laughs> So let me ask this. What was your favorite death trap in this film? Oh, by far the bear trap. Okay. E- easily. And that's a trap that didn't actually, you know, happen. You know what I mean? Like it was successful, yeah. but it was the coolest. And again, I forgot it was in Saw 1. I thought for some stupid reason that was in Saw 2. It is. Oh, really? Flashbacks. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. Oh, okay. But uh, huh. yeah, I really, I really, I love that scene. It's, it looks so cool and so scary like that's a scary trap they're all scary traps but that's yeah. a very scary trap you know? that one to me though seemed like the only thing that didn't make it my favorite is because it seemed like the easiest one to get out of obviously you are you, you still had to dig into another person's body to get the key right you're, you're killing a, this person yeah yes in a minute like she had 60 but, seconds which it felt like a long 60 seconds in the oh film. it was a long yeah uh, like, come on right <laughs> But right. uh, yeah, I I don't know if I well I probably would because well I'm not going to lose my head over it, but right. it won't be an easy decision. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then being all bloody and then trying to get the key in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably going to explode. At least I won't hurt too much because it'll be, it'll be so fast. Right. And what about you, Ash? What was your favorite death trap in this one? Yeah, I'll have to go with the bear trap also. Just because it, it's, it's the scene itself, too, is so well executed. That that I would agree with. Like, I just love that kind of spinning around him uh, or her, mm-hmm. excuse me. And the way it's done, the way it's lit, the kind of the green lighting. Um, and then we get the that's the introduction of the puppet, which I I believe. Right. Yeah. Which to me is just the one of the creepiest, you know, puppets I've seen and such a, a strong image for me from the 2000s in film like yeah. it's just one of the most you know it, uh, it was poignant images it was instantly iconic i mean yeah. it was made parody of in so many of the of the other movies right and just so many i mean it because it was so iconic and it's just like you mm-hmm. instantly know what it's from i mean hell just the line i want to play a game that was yeah it's been it's still a meme you know, yep. <laughs> it's still used. You know, the and that puppet was actually that puppet was actually made by James Wan himself. Oh, really? Yeah, he actually created the puppet in his bedroom. That's really cool. Naked and afraid. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Wow. Now, something you might not know: uh, this uh, the whole film was uh, filmed in one warehouse, so they would film oh, wow. all the scenes chronologically. And then they would just repaint and move on to the next. So you notice, like every room would have a brick, uh, a brick wall, yeah, painted different colors. But it was all oh. done in one warehouse. And apparently, this warehouse is really well known. That oh. back in the eighties, um, Cagney and Lacey used to film there. And then oh. once that once that show ended, um, apparently it got into a bit of disrepair and became a, a place where you would shoot pornography. So oh. during the filming. Uh, sometimes during downtime, uh, they could hear people fucking in different parts of the warehouse. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that was wow. interesting. <laughs> the more you know, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, to me, I don't know. I thought the like the most interesting of the traps had to be the 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 man covered in wa- in like the flammable liquid and and trying to not catch on fire. I don't know what it was about. It was just kind of the most interesting to me of the traps. But it just seems like it's on a whole nother level than the the bear the bear trap. Because that seems the bear trap seems like something you can get out of if you know your witcher about you. But the the flammable liquid with the candle, it's like any one false move and you're you know you're on fire. And then the guy crawling through the razors, I just did he really even have a chance? Well, Those two feel like they have s- almost no chance of surviving, whereas the bear trap feels like, oh, you know, this is something that this person could survive. Well, the thing is, like, you saw the fast forward of the guy, you know, as a flashback doing mm-hmm. the razor, and he kind of just, like, flailed himself against it. It didn't seem yeah. like he was being very cautious when he was going through the razor wire. Like, I know mm-hmm. he's under a time frame and whatnot. Right. Um, but it just seemed by the fast forwardness of, like, him struggling – that he wasn't really doing much to improve his situation. No, he wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, he just mm-hmm. seemed to struggle in one place and jiggle, and then that's it. Um, and apparently, as for the guy with the with the, with the the fire, uh, the actor wanted to film the whole scene naked. So, when they filmed the <laughs> scene, he didn't wear a cock sock. He was fully naked during that scene. 
Oh wow! Mm. Good for him. Good for his um his self worth, his self image. He's a method actor. His self confidence is the word I was searching for there. Yeah. His self confidence. <laughs> oh, 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 this is one of these. <laughs> uh, so the scene with the daughter. This is always one that I always remember. So just her staring into that dark corner. And we, as the audience, we don't see anything except like that wind chime blowing. I love that scene. It was, it's just, every time I watch it, it's just so fucking tense for me because I feel like something's going to happen. Um, and then kind of on the flip side of that, when we actually do see the man in the closet, I feel like, I feel like James Wan would have handled that in a much different and much more effective way you know, three or four years later when he's making different, when he's made more films, uh, maybe even longer than that. But um, I just feel like it was such a cool moment that was set up. And then when the delivery happened, it was lackluster with, with seeing his eye in the closet. And I feel like James Wan would handle that much better now, which, you know, is this kind of a silly criticism because it's his first or, you know, one of his first major horror films. So I like the eye in the closet. I thought it yeah? was, yeah, I do like was the jar- eye, yeah. I thought it was jarring to me. You didn't see a full face, you just saw the eye, the the one big wide eye. And to me, that's creepy. Fair enough. But that's again, that's just me, but you know, whatever. No, yeah, exactly. So a little tidbit. Yeah. So I guess when they were uh when they made the film, uh, prior to filming Jigsaw's uh first scene, they had him in a full red um well, you know, his 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 like cloaky hoodie thing. Um, yeah, it was done all in red, and uh, I guess to, they wanted to symbolize him a bit like the Little Red Riding Hood. But it filmed; <laughs> it looked so dumb on screen that they <laughs> they turned it inside out and they used shoe polish to black out most of the red. So that's oh, why it wow. looks like more of like a boxing robe. Yeah, in the film is because they pretty much just inverted the, what he was wearing and just covered it in black. That's interesting. Which I think it looks really cool. The black with the red trim. Yeah, but definitely. Originally, there was envisioned as an all red robe, which I don't know if that would have worked. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to see it. It would probably wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah. And uh, apparently, um, the concept for the poster for the film mm-hmm. was going to be a jigsaw puzzle. Okay. With a piece missing. And it was going to be an eye in place of the jigsaw piece that's missing in the puzzle. Kind of uh-huh. like the whole uh, closet thing. Mm-hmm. But then Lionsgate didn't like that. And that's where they went with the whole severed foot. Which I think kind of hurt the film. Yeah. In a way. Just because you're, you know, you're, uh, you're giving away the ending. Right. Yeah. But from the marketing standpoint, I mean, that's going to draw in more people, I feel like, than an eye. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, it, it makes you right. take notice a bit more. It's like, oh, it's a severed foot. But, yeah, you know, exactly. at the same time, when you got two guys, you know, that are shackled for the whole film, you know, and you're giving, you're giving them two, uh, two saws, you, mm-hmm. you know, something's going to happen with that saw and that foot, you know? Right, right. But in which that's something I liked with the makeup of the film. Because as, well, first of all, Carrie looked really good with the sweaty t-shirt and the bland complexion. But mm-hmm. as soon as he sawed his foot off, spoiler, oh, yeah. um, where his face turned white. Oh, God, right. yes. That looked awesome, but so spooky at the same time. Like, he was on the verge of death there. He's on death's door, mm-hmm. you know? 
Yep, and, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget that as well. When he when he turns to him, he's like, "I'll send someone back for you," and he's yeah. just like, "You ain't getting out of there, buddy." For <laughs> you, <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll hold my breath. So, what did you guys think of uh, Danny Glover's character, Detective Tip? I think he was getting too old for this shit. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was kind of weirdly cast. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I like they, they picked Glover because, well, the reason why they got uh, D- Danny Glover, they got Dina Myers, and they got uh, Benicio Martinez, the guy who plays the Captain in the Shield, is because they're all with the same um, uh, talent agency. Oh. So okay. that's how they're able to get these care uh, these uh, these actors. Um, but having Danny Glover, like, I, again, I forgot Danny Glover was in the first movie. Um, yeah. I remember, um, uh, is it Danny Wahlberg in the second one? But I couldn't remember Glover in the first. Um, hmm. I don't know if that's, it, it just, it, it just doesn't seem like he's the right actor for the role. Okay. You know, um, it's just something that was a little off for me. And he mm-hmm. plays so many cops, you know, he seems like he's a Murtaugh. That you know lost, d- got divorced from his wife, and lost his kids in a fire or something. <laughs> it, it, this was more, um, this was more. I think Predator Two, Danny Glover than yes. Lethal Weapon, Danny Glover. I think mm-hmm. it would have been better if it was Lethal Weapon, Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah, but I, it, I think that's part of it. It just it. Like when he's doing the regular detective stuff, he's fine. But when he's in his apartment and he's all whacked out, I was just like, eh, I just, I couldn't buy it. See, I'm the complete opposite. I didn't like him as the like, kind of in the first, you know, his first uh, where his character was in the beginning. I, I liked it more when he kind of went a little nuts. And I think, I don't know, I just thought like his character was very interesting because the motivation behind it just seems so natural and it works so well for me because, you know, he's uh, – he believes that that Gordon is Jigsaw. Yes. And so then they're, they're tracking him down and he makes this, this you know, costly and wrong decision to hide – you know, kind of hide so he can see who Jigsaw is and then they're going to jump out and get him, which obviously turns out to be the wrong impulse because it's, you know, allows them – allows Jigsaw to slice his throat – catching him off guard and then obviously that kills his partner and then because his partner is killed by a a, a poor decision that he makes it drives him nuts and he becomes obsessed with trying to pin dr gordon as jigsaw and like he has the room which is just ridiculous has the the newspaper clippings up and he has the camera point uh pointed right at his window and and so on and so forth and then eventually he becomes you know part partly the hero of the film because he's the one who's he hears the gunshots in the room and is able to, you know, jump in and kind of take out Zap or do his best to take out Zap. And uh, I don't know. I just I thought his arc was so interesting to me. At first, I was like, why? Why is he doing this? Where is this motivation coming from? But then, as it plays out, you I you know I was able to realize where it's coming from. As you know, we kind of do some flashbacks and flash forwards and and whatnot. And so I don't know. I just I I thought it was. I thought it was well played on Glover's part. There's just something with him in this film. It just seemed forced to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it, but it just seemed off. Like he was too big of a star for this film. 
Okay. I don't know. Like, like this, like this movie was an indie film. Like, you know, they, they brought yeah. this film to Sundance. They got a distribution deal through Lensgate. Like, this wasn't a studio film. This was like an indie film. Um, it just seemed, it just seemed Glover's, uh, interaction in this movie just seemed off to me. But again, it could be just just me. But I just I don't know. I just didn't seem believable. Yeah. Speaking of the acting, so moving on to the kind of the, the two men in the room. So we get Adam and Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I I always hear looking back, like when I first watched it, I never had a problem with the acting. It's just not something I really considered at that point. You know, back in two thousand four. But uh, you know, ever since then, I always hear about how bad the acting is in the film, and so on and so forth. But frankly, it wasn't until a specific moment, and I thought I thought Lee Winnell was was just fine as Adam. I didn't really have a problem with him, mm-hmm. frankly, throughout you know, the majority of the film. But there's a specific point where, um, what's his name? Uh, Elwes, uh, Carly Elwes. His acting, it kind of just turns to shit, and that's the moment where he has to kind of. Uh, where the where the emotional aspect of the film ratchets up, and where he you know see Adam tosses him the picture of his tied up wife and daughter mm-hmm. after keeping it hidden, and this the way he stutters his lines, it's just so damn fake. I could buy everything he was doing up until that point, and that's the moment that he lost me. He picks it up again later, I think after he saws his foot off. Or and and kind of the moments before he saws his foot off when he's reaching for the phone. Yeah. But the other point is when he's on the phone and he's um he calls for, you know, uh Diane, 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 or whatever it is. I'm trying to find my notes here. Um Yeah, that that moment, yeah, when he's calling for Diana, that moment fell flat for me also. Like it reminds me of a scene I did in grad school. It was from um I think it's called Zoo Story. Can't I? I might be wrong, but um, it's about these two guys who are fighting for a bench. And anyway, um, one of the after we the finish the scene, the critiques from my professors were that I was, you know, uh, quote unquote, putting it on. I wasn't really living the scene, it, and it was it was very, uh, you know, wooden. And there was like an affectation to my speech, mm-hmm. the way I was talking. I wasn't talking like a, like a human being, and it was just I, w- I did it really poorly. And that's you know uh, something I always remember. And that's kind of. The same critique I feel like this would receive, his his performance would receive, especially at that moment. It just felt like he was putting on an affectation. He was being – he was super wooden and nothing was really happening to him. He was just saying lines. He wasn't living in the moment and I just – I hated that part. Um, but what's interesting also is that Carrie Elwes, if you listen to him, he kind of like – he has an accent, then he doesn't have an accent. He has an accent, then he doesn't have an accent. Yeah. And I think that was kind of notable here, which is just a very small points, but it just bothers me. Um, but I think that's just his natural speech at this point. Like he's – that's just the way he talks. But I don't know. That was just – those two moments in particular really I thought were really poorly done on on Carrie Elwes' part. And um, – but other than that, I I thought he did a pretty decent job other than that. I think so, too. It's funny you mentioned those scenes because, like, when the movie starts, you know, he's the one that's calm. And yeah. it's uh, Adam, the one that's kind of, you know, uh, freaking out. Mm-hmm. And as the movie continues, they switch roles where Adam's right. the most comfortable or the more calm one at the end. And he's the mm-hmm. one f- freaking the fuck out. Like, his yeah. little spaz before he goes to cut his foot off. It was mm-hmm. so much fun to watch. 
Yeah, like when it he's is. pulling at the chain and he's right. making guttural sounds. <laughs> oh, this is great. And then he ties the sh- his blue shirt around his waist and then he slips it down to his foot. You know, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. The other thing, you know, I feel like people might complain that why is he so calm in the beginning? But I think he has that one line where it's, you know, don't, don't, or screaming's pointless. I've tried that already. Is what he says to Adam when Adam starts freaking out. Yeah. And I think that just builds the fact that and kind of creates that character from right at the beginning, which I thought was done really well because he's already gone through this. He's probably been screaming for 10, 15, 20 minutes and he's just exhausted because he's already, you know, kind of tested the strength of the chain and can he get out that way and screaming is not going to help anything. He's just, I feel like his character starts the film emotionally exhausted already. Yeah. And I think that's a character choice. That's a, a choice by the writer and a choice by the actor that I think is really strong and uh, and I think works really well. And I think he plays it as that's what's already happened, which I think is a really good choice. But that's also one thing that's kind of weird to me is that we start the film that he's on his side of the room. Adam's, you know, his face is in the tub. Mm-hmm. So how long has he been screaming for help while Adam's just underwater? You know, and then having Jigsaw, like, in the middle of the room. So, it can't have been that long, right? Because the guy's going to drown. Unless he slips into the tub. I don't know. That, I don't, I kind of thought, like, he was drugged or something or he was out. And then maybe he was kind of, like, coming down and then he fell under the water and that kind of what woke him up. I, I, that's oh, maybe. kind of but just that, a silly explanation, but I guess. But again, that's what I thought. He's tied to the, you know, to the drain, which is tied to the key that goes in the, that goes down the drain. So that that's just the one thing is that like how long has Carrie been there for him to do all yeah. this yelling and screaming and figuring things out on his own? But the other guy's in in the pool or he's in the tub, you know, face down in the water. And it can't be just, you know, Jigsaw putting him in the water and then like start seeing because Carrie's up and doing his thing, you know? So right. that's just the one thing, like a time problem I had. Yeah. But you know I, I think um he woke up because he slid underneath the water. Like he, and that's oh, why. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was trying to imply. I think that, yeah, that's what kind of what jarred him awake. You guys are smart. Well, I don't. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's just a guess. I mean, obviously, we don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, a, an interesting point, though. Yeah. So I thought um, the use of darkness. James Wan's use of darkness in this film was just really, really solid. Um, you know, one moment we already mentioned with the daughter staring into the the corner where she goes in the room and says, Daddy, there's a there's a man in my room, blah, blah, blah. Um, the other moment is when Adam, uh, he kind of wakes up in the red room in his apartment, which, oh, man, I thought the apartment that Adam lives at was just perfect. It's an absolute piece of shit. And I think it just works so well for the mood of this film and what they're trying to build for this character. I thought that was excellent. But um, not just that, but also the yeah. final scene when uh, Jigsaw yells some like times up or some stupid thing and then closes the door on Adam. Yeah. That scene with him, his back to Adam with the smoke and the green mm-hmm. light and the darkness. Fuck, yep. that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Another moment I wrote down for, yeah, toward the end of the film. I think it's just a great, because you have the backlight, but it's like a green backlight. Yes. So you can't make out, you know, it's just kind of a silhouette and game over and shuts the That's, door. And it's yeah. just so fucking great. Just oh, an so awesome good. moment. But to that and like the score, that theme song from Saw, you know, that da, da, mm-hmm. da, 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 is that an original uh, song for the film? Because that seems to be like the theme for Saw, 
when you know the movie ramps up at the end and pretty much tells the story, that song comes on. And it's such a perfect song to go with the montage of what you missed during the movie. Yeah, I think I read something where like uh, the um, – what's the person who does this, the songs? <laughs> My God. Not the choreographer. The composer. The composer. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, thank you. The composer uh, spent six weeks kind of scoring the film, okay. if I remember from what I read. I, that could be wrong, but I thought that's what I skimmed through. So yeah, I would say you know was unique to the film and made specifically for these moments. Yeah, that, I thought that's that that I guess that theme it was so powerful and it sounds so good and it just it just matches the the tone of the series. Right. Yeah, and and kind of getting back to the uh, original thing I was talking about, and then I got sidetracked. Right. Sorry. Um, is no, not at all. Is when um he has to use so he wakes up in the red room, the dark room, I guess it's called, and um he has to. He knows there's someone in his apartment because he can hear them, but he can't see anything. And so he uses the flash on his camera mm-hmm. to take the pictures. And, you know, we only see glimpses and then eventually opens the door and you see that nothing's happening, which you expect right when you open the door, something happens, but nothing happens. And then you take the shot and that mask, the pig mask with the red, I mean, it might even be more frightening to me than the puppet. Oh, it totally is. The, the first time we see – or one of the first times we see it is – uh, in action, at least, is when Carrie, um, when Gordon parks his car and goes to use the phone in the parking garage, and he just crawls out, or the whoever's in the mask crawls out and around the car. Yeah, I mean, just goosebumps right now, even talking about it. Like it is such an effective and creepy moment. Just one of the one of the few moments that to me is is scary. Like one of the scary moments of the film. Ah, and speaking of that scene. That is the only scene where you'll see Jigsaw in that red robe. That's before they made the changes to the black robe. So that scene where he uh, actually crawls out of the car, he's wearing all red with the pig's mask. Yeah, you know, I I noticed that, but I didn't put that together. That's interesting. Yeah, so that's the only scene they filmed with that color scheme for his uh, for his outfit. Hmm. And regarding Tobin Bell, so yeah. he's on the ground in the bathroom because he's such a method actor. They spent six days filming the bathroom scene with Adam and with Gordon. Oh, my God. And he was on the ground for six days. So <laughs> That is insane. That is not, you know, a dummy during the whole right. – that's him the whole time. Hmm. And apparently, it was such a, a problem uh, for continuity continuity uh, with all the blood splatter. Oh, okay. That, you know, you'll notice some scenes, the blood's pool a little differently. And especially at the end – when uh, there's uh, when Gordon cuts his uh, cuts his foot and there's blood all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to keep uh, you know that scene straight for all the different uh, shots for editing. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, he was he was on the ground the whole time during the those uh, six days. That's crazy. It is pretty crazy. Huh. I'd like to be paid to lay on the ground. Oh, right. <laughs> just just an FYI, those who are curious, uh, the uh, mixture that was in the toilet. When uh, Adam oh, goes God. to try to grab uh, to, to look for a clue, it yeah. was a mixture of food coloring and silicone chunks. Oh wow! Silicone chunks. Yes, that's <laughs> that's gross. So for next Halloween, if you're looking to uh, spruce up the bathroom, you just there you go. some silicone chunks. <laughs> oh man. Another moment where I feel like is a good example of James Wan being kind of um, young at this point is in where I think, you know, another aspect where he grows 
Um, so flash having having it flash back to Adam finding the bag in the toilet, which had the pictures, mm-hmm. just seemed completely pointless to me. I you know I just I remembered it was there. I don't I don't know how you wouldn't. Um, and I feel like Juan will learn to trust the audience more as he grows as a filmmaker. That just felt like a pointless moment to me having that flashback. Yeah, it wasn't anything very uh, relative to this like to this story. Mm-hmm. You no, know? like honestly, who cares? Right. But that was, yeah, I I have the same opinion on that. Yeah. So Dr. Gordon was screwing. It was one of his students, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, in the I think I recognize her. Yeah, I think I recognize her from when Zepp was introduced, which, I mean, the, the fact that that character is introduced to me was such a, you know, kind of a, the red herring of the film. Yeah. Why Why would he even say anything if he wasn't going to be involved later on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And so I was trying to, I'm just trying to verify that that's. That's what it was. I thought I recognized her from earlier in the movie, but I wasn't 100% certain. See, I never caught that. Huh. Oh, okay. So who do you, who called him when he went in the room to uh, have sex with his, his student? Who do you think it was that called him? Because it didn't sound like Jigsaw to me. I think it was, it was Zep. Zep. Okay, that's kind of what I was thinking. I just wanted to get kind of the consensus view on that. Um, yeah, that would, I don't know, it was just an odd moment to me. And I think it was... Because of the fact that it sounded more like Zap, um, but you know, when I was I wrote that down, but then I was thinking about it more, and I guess it kind of makes sense because I guess the goal would have been to get him out as quickly as possible, which would lead me to believe was it so was it Zep that attacked Doctor Gordon in the in the um what you call it in the uh, parking structure, or was that actually Jigsaw? I think it was Zep, just because Jigsaw was so weak. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Like, like honestly, I think Zeb did all the the, the the, and that's the thing with Jigsaw. He gets other people to do his his heavy work. He's right. just a mastermind. So Zep was his strongman in this, and so he's the one who did all the all the abducting. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't believe that it was uh, it was uh, Tobin who actually did that. I think it was I think it was Zep. Yeah, that's that's what I would I would believe as well. So later, late in, late in the film now, um, you know, I think Juan, he does, there's just a really good, a really solid action scene toward the end here, which kind of leads up to our climax. Uh, when, uh, when Allie breaks out of Zep's grasp and, and Tap comes into the picture. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was really well done. It's all, it all builds to the point where Gordon, he breaks and decides to cut his foot off. That to me was such a an intense and and believable build to that point that I could understand the cutting of the foot, um, and and then obviously, you know, uh, one he wants nothing more than just to answer this stupid fucking phone call, and the only way he will do it is by cutting the foot off. So that worked out, and then the scene, those scenes montaged with Tap chasing Zap, I just thought it made for a really great climax, and then of course the ironic twist is that. His wife was just calling to tell him that they were all right, which obviously he had no idea. You know, he wouldn't be able to know that. But kind of the, the first, um, the first of a couple twists that we get here toward the end. I guess another one would be um, the fact that the person who paid Adam, which I forgot about, but the person who paid Adam was actually um, Trip. Tap. Tap. That's it. Trap. Yeah. Yeah. Not. Uh, not. I thought it was. From what I remembered, it was that it was like. Uh, Gordon's wife paying a private investigator to see if he was cheating on him. I completely forgot about the fact that it was just Tap being psycho yeah, Tap. for some reason I remembered it was Jigsaw. Oh, okay. 
Now, I have a question for you guys. So, yeah. your wife and child is tied up in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. You're chained to a radiator. When you're sawing your foot off, do you have to saw the whole foot off? Like, can't you do like a partial cut and then just like fold it out of the out of the ring? Like, do you have to saw the whole thing off to get away? I don't. I think you'd have to cut the whole thing. Like, couldn't you just like cut half off and then like your foot kind of flops and you can just get through the get through the to the manacle that way? I get you'd have to like cut like the toward like the um oh what's <laughs> like you're gonna have to Achilles like toward like the like the heel yeah, like, but, like the back of the heel but not cut the full like not cut the like 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 what like I'm doing right here right so I'm cutting right now and I okay I'm that was a bad idea. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Uh, that's that's not smart. Uh, before, before, I, before I lose too much blood here, so what I've done right. so far is cut the top part of my ankle up into the bulbous bone, and I'm using my hands as a manacle, and I can slip through uh, my foot with my hands because my hands aren't very strong to begin with. So I don't think I can. Uh, I'd have to cut my whole foot off. But then the other question you have to ask yourself is, if you don't cut it off fully, can doctors reattach it so that you can use your foot again? Or does it just become floppy? Because I'd rather have a nub than a floppy foot. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. All I know, all I've learned here is that you know a lot about the muscles of the foot, which I had no idea. Yeah, well, you got the top muscle and you got the bottom muscle, right? (laughs) (laughs) You walk on the bottom muscle, you hurt yourself if you walk on the top muscle. (laughs) <laughs> oh man so the i i loved um adam's cathartic meltdown at the end with the, the top of the toilet cover just thought that was a really brutal really good moment and again a moment where we don't really see much all we see is blood splatter exactly yeah. and i just it's so interesting and it works better that we don't see zepp's face right like, i don't need to see it all caved in you get the idea that <laughs> right. it's caved in by the half yeah. of the toilet uh, cover. And yeah, like, and the fact that it breaks eventually in his hand. It's oh, just yeah. like, what a crazy moment. Yeah. See, sometimes less is more. Right. And in this in this situation, it works fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so this leads up into the the final moment, which you've already touched on a little bit. But, um, you know, the, the, the twist with having Zep be another victim and then Jigsaw standing up from the middle of the room. I mean, I'll never forget my reaction the first time I saw that. I was absolutely fucking blown away. Never had a movie shocked me like to this point before. And and honestly, I'm not sure if any other film has ever shocked me as much in the final reveal as Saw did, mm-hmm. you know, 12 years ago when I watched it for the, f- for the first time. It's just so well done. I mean, even watching it yesterday, it gave me goosebumps. And that final door closing that we already talked about in the game overline, I can't think of a better ending to a horror film that I've ever seen. Can and honestly, I want help. Can you guys? Can you think of any ending that tops kind of the 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 I don't just the poignancy and the the power of the ending of Saw? Yeah, because to me, nothing jumped out. Yeah. So what would you say? Uh, one other film hit me like Saw did with the ending. Usual Suspects. Okay, I haven't seen Usual Suspects. Uh, what? Are you kidding oh me? Oh my yeah. fucking god. Uh, 
And it's never been spoiled for me either. So uh, let's I'm not, not do spoil that. Spoil it because <laughs> spoiling it will ruin it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. You need to go watch Usual Suspects. Ah. Uh, yeah. The ending to that, I was just like, I was blown away by that. I was just like completely unexpected. I was. Just, Holy shit. But yeah. yeah um, See, the, the problem with that one is I think I know the ending, but no one has like outright spoiled it for me. But I think I've read things and kind of seen things that have parodied it and whatnot yeah. that I kind of think I know the ending, which is disappointing. But I mean, it obviously, it's my own fault. It's a very, you know, an older film, not old. Well, but it's in 95. It was out, yeah, it, yeah. it was out when I was first starting college. So yeah, it's an older yeah, film. 30 years ago. Yeah. But uh, twenty years ago, I, I can't as, do math. As for myself, I can't think of a movie that had a reveal that was that jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not to, that doesn't come to mind right now. Um, I'm sure. If yeah, I that, exactly. That was mine too. With. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, th- this was one of those like, oh shit, you know? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I can't think of anything top of my head right now. Yeah. So I kind of just give my uh, my concluding thoughts here. I mean, really just the whole of this film is great in my eyes. And, you know, it might be some nostalgia talking, which is fine. That's the way it is. But, I mean, it sets up this whole new world that will that will take over theaters for, for years to come. It really becomes the, like the 2000s version of Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. There are not a lot of other movies that can go on to create seven sequels like Saw did and, and even more mm-hmm. if they continue going with this. Um, but I, and I think it's easy to, you know, easy to see why, because Juan creates an incredibly interesting character with Jigsaw that's only going to get more interesting as we go on. Um, and though his motivation may be kind of weak in the mind of someone, you know, like myself who doesn't go around murdering people, I think it's a, this is a different type of person. The reason he does this, obviously we didn't really talk about, but it's because he, um, is dying. And so he's trying to make those around him who are not appreciating life. He's trying to get them to appreciate it, but he obviously does it in the most morbid and fucked up way imaginable. Um, but I think, and I think that motivation is enough to work for someone like Jigsaw. Um, you know, there's a lot of creepy moments in this film, but not a lot of true scares aside from the, the one I mentioned earlier. Um, and it's just interesting to see because Juan, he goes on to create one of the, one of my all time favorite quote unquote scary movies in Insidious. And, um, I don't know. This is just a, I, I love this movie. You know, it's, it's definitely tame compared to the sequels, yeah. but it still helps, you know, kick off this torture porn subgenre in theaters, which to me was kind of my, um, prime point for going to the theater and watching films. This, Hostel, Wrong Turn, uh, uh, Turistas, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which actually came out a little bit before this, but like all these, the remake, but all mm-hmm. these films, I mean, that's kind of, that's why I love the horror genre today. And so that's j- just the way it is. You know, I don't go around, you know, bragging that I love the torture porn genre, but these are films that I enjoy watching for, you know, just for various reasons. Yeah, I don't know. The the ending of Saw, it has to, you know, it makes it one of my favorite favorite horror films of this era, you know, this 2000s. And um I'm hoping at some point that something else can come along and uh you know, just rock me to my core like Saw did back when I was 18 years old. And so I'm going to have to give Saw probably three and a half out of four stars. So what are your kind of your final thoughts on this one, Ash? Yeah, the Saw series is definitely like Nightmare on Elm Street was for New Line. 
uh, it, it's the reason Lionsgate is so big as it is right now. Uh, yeah. It gave them the operating capital to get to this point and, and you know, get to start, really, because they weren't really doing a lot of bigger films before that. Um, but, no, I... I loved it when I first watched it, and it's it's lost a little of its luster over the years. Um, it's not my first go-to for horror films, and I I didn't really like the genre it spawned. Um, it just I don't know. I I like I like scary movies, not gross-out movies, and and to me that genre is just not. It's it's horror, yes, not my kind of horror. Um, but uh, no, I, I still like I still like the first um, pretty good. Um, and if you'd asked me when I first first saw it, it'd have been three and a half to four easy. Uh, but I'm gonna have to give it a three today. Okay, yeah, you know, a lot of people would agree with you, um, but I think it's because the genre was kind of when I was I was so impressionable at that age, and I was you know do like. I don't know. It was just a, a different time, uh, a new time in my life and a time where I was going to the theater a lot and was really coming to love the horror horror genre. And that's what was, you know, in vogue at that time. And so that's I think that's why this is my type of horror film. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I grew up on I grew up on a lot of the, the scarier, the sci fi horror, the right, the, the more ghost and, you know, mystery related horror where it wasn't, you know, it was necessarily the situation and building up to something as opposed to well how can we gross these people out today yeah and i mean yeah there's there have always been those films and there's not they're just not my favorite so Mm -hmm. yeah which i love those films also it's just these hold uh, a, a different place in my heart i guess yeah and what about what about you mark um i still think this movie gets a bad rap because of the sequels that it spawned um mm-hmm. i don't consider this movie a torture porn film but it gets lumped. it's really not, it gets lumped yeah. in because of number two and beyond um mm-hmm. and because of that it's it's not a film that i go back to watch but that being said i've watched it three times in three days and i enjoyed them all three times like as much as i bitch, like oh, i gotta watch <laughs> it again i still right. didn't mind watching them um, so I think this movie gets diminished just because of sequelitis, which is too bad because I think the first one really is a decent film. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of excited to go through the other ones because then I can start showing my disdain for the rest of them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like it starts, this start, this start off on a good foot, <laughs> not feet. Good foot. <laughs> um, wow. But, uh, but I, 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 yeah, um, <laughs> I think this was, I'm not going to say it's a masterpiece because it's not, but man, did it keep my attention. I remember leaving the theaters back, you know, back in 20, uh, 2004, excited, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give this a solid, I don't want to give it four because it's not perfect. I'm going to mm-hmm. give it a solid three out of four stars. Oh, very good. Yeah. It was, uh, I think it's left in the shadows too much because of its other brothers uh, and one sister. Um, but, uh, yeah, people give it a bad rap when this one doesn't deserve it. Excellent. Do you have any more, um, kind of anything that you found out through listening to commentary tracks that you really wanted to to talk about that we haven't yet? Uh, let's see here. Okay. Poo in a toilet check, uh, blood check. (laughs) Um, so everything was filmed indoors. 
So even the chase scene between Zep and uh, Trip, is it Trip? Tip? Trip? Tap. Uh, between Glover and uh, and Michael, um, that was all done by uh, uh, still photography. People just jumping on the the bumpers to pretend that it's moving and smoke. Like it's two stationary cars, and it did a pretty decent uh, car chase scene. Um, yeah, the way it was filmed, it kind of looked to me like, oh, they're doing something here to, uh, you know, try to hide the fact that they're not really driving or something. Like that's kind of what went through my through my well, head. You know how that becomes the motive of, or I guess, a style of the whole series is those like uh, those single flash scenes that kind of make a montage. Yeah. Well, the mm-hmm. reason why uh, they did in the first one is because they ran out of footage to use for editing. So oh, they yeah. had a site, I guess, a uh, a photographer for the film who took mm-hmm. pictures of the uh, of um, known the different settings, and they used those pictures in fast sequence to make it look like it's a, it was like a video montage when it's all just okay. scenes all cut quickly one after another. Because they pretty wow. much whatever footage they filmed, they used every last uh, reel of it. Wow! So uh, they didn't have many. Like most of the takes they did uh, was one or two. The scene when um, when Jigsaw gets up and takes his rubber cap off to show mm-hmm. that he isn't on the head, um, they had one rubber cap, so it was a one shot <laughs> take. Either it works or it doesn't. So, <laughs> so when you're, you know, when you got a limited budget like that and limited uh, resources, you got to do what you've got. And that's what they did. So a lot of these, uh, this film was shot in one or two takes at the most, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Apart from that, apparently uh, with the original screenings of the film, most people walked out during the bear trap sequence. Oh. Apart from that. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's interesting. So the tiles in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, the whole bathroom uh, setting was all white tiles. Yeah, that was wood. It was wood. And the set dresser actually painted the tiles. Apparently, the same, the, uh, the set dresser was very good at her job because it looked like a cold chromic <laughs> uh, floor and wall. And it was all wood. Yeah. It was all wood, which was very interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, part of that, that's pretty much it. I think we talked about most of the stuff. Okay. And yeah, again, if you've got. Uh, um, a copy of this film that's not from the series and you want to watch a listen to a fun commentary do listen to the actor's commentary it is worth uh i laughed out loud and i don't usually do that to commentaries and this one is that good so totally <laughs> worth it i recommend awesome very good all right so that is our first film in our complete saw series so next week we'll be talking about saw 2 <laughs> <laughs> oh man only seven more episodes folks <laughs> no no six more episodes no 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 I'm, I'm making a saw eight right now <laughs> oh god all oh, right saw eight so in my kitchen yeah exactly <laughs> the cameras are rolling damn it uh. <laughs> All right, so make sure you check out cinefessions.com. As I mentioned, we are close to 500 reviews on the website. And so thank you, everyone, for for clicking. 
and and checking out Cinefessions over the years. We really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who's contributed to the website over the years too. There's you know just a, a multitude of people, so I really appreciate that. And uh, we're looking forward to the next 500 and the next 50 podcast episodes. So hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 50. I know I had a good time talking about Saw, and I cannot wait to continue the rest of this series next week. All right, so I guess that is that. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time. Yeah.